Today is the second to last message in this series. Um, so far, we've covered he's my friend and he's not weird. Amen. Uh, that's a very good message to be reminded of. Um, he is a personal being, not simply a force. He's not just a spiritual force, but he is a personal being. He's got a mind, will, and emotions. And we also talked about the fact that he's Pentecostal and he's charismatic. Okay, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, last week, we talked about the need for every believer to be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And today, the title of my message is, Does He Speak in Tongues? It got quiet. <laughs> Don't check out on me. Some of you might be tempted to check out on me, but I'm pleading with you. Don't do that today because we are going to talk scripturally about the Holy Spirit and answer the question of whether or not he speaks in tongues. I guess a better question is, does he hear in tongues? Um, because we want to answer both of these today. But I, I work hard to present the full gospel message to you. We don't pull any punches we don't dance around scripture. We don't pull pages out and put them to the side and then just look. We want to look comprehensively at God's word and see what it says. Now, I know that some people might be uncomfortable when we talk about speaking in tongues. And we do have our children present today in service because it's family Sunday. Everybody say hi, kids. Hi, kids. And there is no junior Holy Spirit. When they are being ministered to on normal Sundays, regular Sundays, upstairs, they're being taught about the power of the Holy Spirit working in their life. And there's no junior version of this. Amen? So we're going to talk plainly about this today. And I really think some people need to put aside their baggage of what they've heard, believed, experienced before um, in order to be able to really truly understand God's Word. Because there's been a lot of fake news about the Holy Spirit. And um, we don't want to believe the fake news, okay? Not going into anything political, just talking about the Holy Spirit today. But I will say this, that I believe with all of my heart that bias is a leading cause of spiritual blindness. Because we are biased to a certain degree in how we're raised or how we've started to understand Scripture, we tend to get what we would call horse blinders on and just a very narrow focus. What I want to do for you today is I want to help encourage you to remove those and open up and expand your understanding of what God's Word says. So remember that there is a what we would call a manifestational gift of tongues that happens within the context of a body of believers when they're gathered together, and it should always be accompanied by something else. What is that something else? It is called interpretation. We've talked about that in this series. But the Bible is clear as well that there is a grace gift of what I would call or term a personal prayer language which is the gift of tongues for you to use in your private devotional life and experience with the Lord. The difference is this, and I want you to hear me very, very clearly. The grace gift of tongues in your personal life is not 
from God to another person. It is from you to God. Let me explain it again or say it again for you just so that you understand. In a gathering of believers, God is speaking to a person, through a person, to people. But when we discuss speaking in tongues and having a personal, private prayer life, we are talking about me, myself, and I encouraging myself in my faith, speaking to God in prayer in what the Apostle Paul calls in the spirit. So there are two different, and so sometimes people get these things mixed up and we, we want to talk about these things today. I want to show you three or four things about praying in tongues because I believe it is clear in scripture that every believer can do this. Number one is this, it is scriptural. You've heard me and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I'll say it to the day I die. The Holy Spirit is real. He's present on the earth today and he wants to live inside of every believer and fill you with his power. Amen. Amen? There's no expiration date in the Bible about, yes, he was here and he, he left in 32 BC. No, there's, there's nothing that says that, that has a date. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It is scriptural. Verse 2, it says this, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Then verse 14 and 15 says this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So in other words, my mind doesn't understand or comprehend. Verse 15, What am I to do? He answers this question, and he says this in verse 15, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. How many of you have ever been in church and you checked out? <laughs> right? Okay, you started thinking about lunch, you remembered something that you forgot, you all of a sudden, right? I mean, you just... So Paul is saying this, I'm going to willfully choose to engage my spirit and my mind. Mm -hmm. right. Again, if we have problems with what we read in God's word, we need to remind ourselves of who the author is. The author is not the apostle Paul. The author is the Spirit of God through Paul to those believers then and to us as believers now. God himself is the one who inspired these words. So I want you to think about that this morning. Go with me to verse 16. Look at what Paul says to the Corinthian church. He says, otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? Verse 17, for you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. They're not being built up because they don't understand. So the Corinthian church, essentially, as they were growing in their faith, they wrote to Paul and said, okay, here are some questions we've got. And Paul is answering those questions. And some of it had to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, Paul sets aside verse, chapters 12, 13, and 14 to talk to them about how they should behave with one another, how they should seek the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's role is in their life, all of these things because he wants them to be knowledgeable. Praying in or with the Holy Spirit is biblical. Verse 18, look at what verse 18 says. Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, do you think that Paul was actually saying that in a very prideful way? He was not. He was not, ha, 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 ha. I speak in tongues more than all of you. No, listen to what he says. He says, verse 19, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Can we be real for just a second? Yes, not at me. Yeah, okay. Be real for just a second. So here's what happens. The Corinthian church is forming. God is doing an amazing thing. And then when they're gathered together, no one can understand anyone because everyone is filled with the Spirit and everybody is shouting and speaking in tongues. And there's not an interpretation. And Paul is trying to help them figure out how to do this. So he says, nevertheless, in church, I'd rather speak five words to you like, Quit sinning and follow Jesus that everybody can understand than going off and praying in the spirit and people don't understand it. So he's giving them some order. He was a man who prayed in the spirit. I believe the apostle Paul prayed in tongues. Verse 39 clearly says this. Paul is telling them he's trying to give them some balance. He says, do not forbid to speak with tongues. So there are churches, unfortunately, that forbid the speaking in tongues or with tongues. But Paul clearly says that we should not forbid it. Now, there is order in in our services for sure, because we do follow that part of scripture as well. But by all means, your pastor is encouraging you as a spirit-filled person, to speak in tongues more frequently than you do. And you're going to find out point number three in a second. It's a choice. But it's also not uncontrollable. I've used this joke before, but I'm telling you this. You're not going to be walking down the aisle in Walmart and grab the intercom phone off of the column and start shouting in tongues on the radio for everybody to hear. God's not going to make you do that. But it is a choice, and we need to choose to live a life in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Look at what verse 5 says. The Apostle Paul said, I want you all to speak in tongues, and really, we need to understand that we should not forbid it. But we need to understand it if it's happening publicly, so we need the interpretation. The proper order of that, and we talked about this briefly in the series, if I am moved by the Spirit of God to interrupt what is happening with the humans in the service that I'm in and speak a message that is in a foreign language unknown to me, then I am to pray immediately that God give me the interpretation. If I'm unsure and I can't get the interpretation, I lean on the Holy Spirit that some other brother or sister in that setting will interpret what was spoken. Amen? Because we need the English version. (laughs) Hello? Yes, we need the English version. Okay, moving on. The second point is this. 
It's just one. Speaking in tongues is just one of many benefits to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just think about this. The benefits that we've talked so far in the series have to do with having a deeper relationship with God. Having the fruit of the Spirit portrayed and demonstrated in your life. The gifts of the Spirit present in the gathering of believers. When the Holy Spirit is baptizing believers, there's evidence all throughout the experience in Scripture that there was wisdom They prayed for wisdom and the Holy Spirit gave them wisdom. They prayed for geographical direction and the Holy Spirit warned them, don't go that way, go this way. There are so many benefits. There is power to live a holy life. There is boldness to share your faith. These are benefits of the Holy Spirit. And this, speaking in tongues, is another benefit. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's just one of many. Look at what 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So the Bible is clearly saying that the person who speaks or prays in a tongue does so for their own benefit. You're missing out, believer. You're missing out on a benefit if you are not practicing this and i tell you this you cannot wait for goosebumps to happen in order to do it some some of you spirit-filled believers are smiling pretty wide in your worst day you can do it and on your best day you can do it the choice is up to you to do it. If I wait for some metaphysical supernatural realm and candles lit and dim lights and wonderful music with every per- perfect chord and the song that I love to play before I speak in tongues, I'll do that once in my life. Because the stars will not align perfectly to use that scenario. Uh, Every single time. But I'm told in scripture that I should build myself up in my faith. And so we do. There's nothing wrong with encouraging yourself in the Lord. Amen. So we could sum up chapter 14 like this. Praying in a prayer language is private. But speaking in tongues publicly is meant to be interpreted for the benefit of the church. It must have been a chaotic church service if Paul was going to walk into that church service with dozens, hundreds of believers gathered, nobody understanding anything the other person was saying. It must have been pretty much chaotic. Let's look at this, Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to go there. Ephesians chapter 6, we're very familiar with a portion of this. And I've always found it interesting. I think today you're going to see something you've never seen, possibly, In this same very familiar passage. It outlines what we call the armor of God. It says put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the enemy. And then it starts listing out. I bet if I called one of our kids up from kids church today. And had them stand up here. They could start listing some of those pieces of the armor of God. I bet some of the believers here today could do it too. Look at verse 17. It says and take the helmet of salvation. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Read verse 18. 
praying at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making prayer or supplication for all the saints. Some of you may not have realized that because we've talked about the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes girded in peace and loins and all the things. But it says, verse 18, and pray at all times in the spirit. You thought you had to shine some armor and put it on, but there's a piece that we keep missing. It says praying at all times in the spirit. We as believers need to practice this. Jude chapter one, if you know it, there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude chapter one, verse 20 says this, but you beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray In the Holy Spirit. I've met some defeated Christians. Who are not living a victorious life. In faith or in their life in general. They're missing out. On a key ingredient. And I believe it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this practice. Of building myself up. In my faith. You might, you just might say, well, I would love to do that, but I just, I don't have that gift. It's a grace gift that God wants to give those who are baptized in the spirit. We're not talking about the manifestational gift of speaking out in a group, in a crowded room, in a foreign language. We're talking about you at home, in the presence of God, in your car with worship music going, and choosing to speak to him. It's a blessing. And if you haven't tried it, you ought to. Point number three is this. It's a choice. First Corinthians chapter 14. And you might say this. Well, pastor, how do you pray in tongues? Well, I can't train you. I was at a camp experience when I was a kid. And some misguided, very well-intentioned, but misguided person tried to teach me how to speak in tongues. And it is not by repeating the phrase, he tied his bow tie, she tied his bow tie. Okay? It's, it's not that. It's whatever the Holy Spirit gives to you. And sometimes it can actually be an unknown human language. We know of moments that have happened in foreign countries and here in America where someone, just an average Joe, Jim, Bob, Sue, Sally, began to speak out in what they believed was tongues, and it was a full message in a foreign language to one person in that room who spoke that language. The Holy Spirit can do whatever He wants. Amen? Amen. So I'm not going to teach you. I'm going to tell you this, though. It requires faith. Just like you believe that Jesus died on the cross. Receiving His Spirit requires faith. Speaking in tongues requires faith. Giving above and beyond your tithe. Your tithe is obedience and you should do it. But giving above and beyond that requires faith. Everything in our life as a believer requires faith. So it's a choice. Number three. Look at verse 14 and 15. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Going back to 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 14 and 15. My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will 
Look at what he says there, that declarative statement. I will pray with my spirit. I will pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit. I will sing with my mind. Do you know that your pastor and his wife have had arguments in their marriage? <gasps> hey, you hush. This is not okay. I can't have my kids raising their hands. Um, have, has anybody else had an argument with their spouse? Can I get a hand? Not an amen, but just a hand. Okay. All right. So listen, listen to me. <laughs> Linda, listen. Okay, listen. I choose to be married to my spouse even when I disagree. Amen. Amen. I love what the psalmist says all throughout the psalms. He tells himself, I will bless the Lord. I'm on the run for my life. People are out to kill me and I'm hiding in a cave, but I will bless the Lord. I've lost my job. My marriage is on the rocks. My kids won't obey. They're not following Jesus. I will obey and praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times and continually let his praise be on my lips. I will. I have to. Not only does he demand it, but it's good for me. So Paul is saying the same thing here. I will pray in the spirit. I will pray with my mind and with my tongue. I'll sing in the spirit. I'll sing with my mind and with my tongue. So many of us believers have fear regarding this topic. It's not uncontrollable. It is a choice, amen? Your will has to be engaged and you can't just wait. Here, let me just tell it to you like this. If you're single and you're waiting for the romantic comedy to unfold in your life before you get that partner, you're gonna be waiting a long time. That's why they're called fantasies, okay? That's why they're called movies. It doesn't always happen like that. Yes, I did treat my wife to a very romantic comedy sort of, not a comedy or a tragedy. Okay, a romantic gesture. When I got engaged, when she finally said yes, after she said, are you kidding me? When she finally said yes, I was on my knee at the edge of Central Park. We had just gotten off of a carriage ride in New York City. It was beautiful. It was, it was a beautiful moment among many other beautiful moments, but the rest of it has been real life. Okay? Burps, farts, broke bank accounts, kids, okay? All of the things. No, kids are not a bad thing. Amen. They're a blessing to me. But listen to me. I will. It's a choice. Do you understand it? You get it, right? Okay. So it's scriptural. It builds you up. Why wouldn't you want it? People might have a hesitation because they say it sounds like gibberish. Of course it does. It's unknown to you. You don't know what it is. Think about this. Think about infants. Mike and Hope have had their share of infants. (laughs) Bless them. Uh, We've all around here probably held an infant before. We think it's so stinking cute. And they are, most of them. And they are. 
how their head just bobbles and they can't hold it still and they start to talk and it's just goo goo ga ga gibberish and we're like, oh, they're just so cute. We don't think anything of it. They're speaking. They're forming something. We don't think of anything of it. We think when it comes to us that we're supposed to have some sort of perfect language. That's not necessarily the case. Isn't that awesome? That you don't have to learn the language of the Spirit, that He can just give it to you. And even if it sounds ridiculous, God still knows what your Spirit is praying. Man, this is good. Okay, number four. It's not evil or demonic. I don't know what your background is. I have brothers in the faith who are in other branches of the kingdom of God, who are in other denominations. And I do hear of stories from time to time from other places that says, if, if you're a tongue talker, you must have a demonic spirit. Not the case. Not the case at all. It's a big concern, though. Meanwhile, plenty of those people probably just celebrated Halloween. But I'll keep, my, I'll keep myself... You might say, I don't want to open myself up to something evil or demonic. Why would God give you something that's evil or demonic? In fact, Jesus Christ himself in Luke chapter 11 says, makes it extremely clear that he would never do that to a believer. Don't you blame something that is evil or demonic on God? Because look at what Luke chapter 11 says. Luke chapter 11, I think God knew that at some point in our history, people would be talking about this and be like, ooh, they're filled with the devil when they do that. And here's what Jesus says in Luke 11, verse 11. What father among you, if his son asked for a fish, would instead give him a serpent? Verse 12, or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? Jesus picked the term serpent and scorpion very, very intentionally. They do have spiritual connotations. And there are other places in scripture that you can find that relate these to demonic activity and evil things. And how many of you think serpents and scorpions, they're not so good, right? Okay, great. Verse 13 says this. If you, I love Jesus' backhanded compliment. He said, if you then who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will the heavenly father give a good gift to you? What, what does it say though? It doesn't say a good gift. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids. Christmas is coming. They're working on their list now. How much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That's incredible. So you're not going to get filled with something that's ungodly or evil or wicked or not from God if you simply ask, Holy Spirit, fill me. God's not like that. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, He's going to give Him to you. You say, well, pastor, I've asked before and I still don't have it. Ask again. We're going to read that passage in just a moment. But we've talked about it since Sunday school when we were kids. And everybody can probably 
recall that verse or that phrase to memory. Ask, seek, knock. Do you know that whole passage is talking about the Holy Spirit? Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. I skipped over verse 9 and 10 in Luke chapter 11 on purpose. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I love how absolute and concrete that language is that you are to ask and God will give it, that you are to seek and you will find it, that you're to knock and the door will open. This is powerful. It's about the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 11, what we read already, if a, if a man asks or if a son asks his dad for a fish, would he give him something else? No. So God, being a good father, gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I said it earlier in the message. Salvation is received by faith. You believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. By faith, you accept salvation. The same is true of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a loud amen? Amen. Worship team, would you come? Receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, praying in a private prayer language, being used by God in a church setting, receiving the fruit or the gifts of the Spirit, all of these things are done by faith, but they're also an act of your will. They are a choice. And I believe that we are to fight fear with faith. My wife has a cool sticker that she put on her laptop as a daily reminder so that she would see it. And what does it say? It says faith over fear. We're so tempted to give in to fear. Fear is ever present. Even fear when it comes to the things of God sometimes. There's fear, but we've got to allow our fear to be conquered by our faith and by the truth of God's word. Would you stand with me today?